as biblical expressions go, it's a classic. At least I think it's a classic. It's concise and to the point. It's clever. It's clear. It's unambiguous. And it packs a real punch to boot. What are you talking about, Father Ray? I'm talking about the expression that St. Paul uses in today's second reading to describe the Gentiles. By the way, the term Gentiles is used here to signify people who do not know and follow the one true God. Today, we would probably refer to these people as pagans. He says, Paul does, that these men and women live in the futility of their minds. What a great expression. The futility of their minds. Futility is uselessness. Our minds, my brothers and sisters, were made for a purpose. They were made to know truth. They were made to grasp truth. All truth. And when our minds reject truth, in this case, spiritual and moral truth, in a very real sense, they do become useless. They don't do for us what they're supposed to do for us. They don't guide us ultimately toward heaven by advocating a life of virtue. They guide us toward the other place by advocating a life of vice. Many people think that a pagan, ungodly lifestyle begins with actions, evil actions, the evil things people do. That's not true. A pagan, ungodly lifestyle begins right here in the mind. It begins with how people think about things. As the old saying goes, and I've quoted it many times, and I will again a lot until the day I die. As the old saying goes, so a thought reap an action. See, thoughts are primary. So a thought reap an action. So an action reap a habit. So a habit reap a character. So a character reap a destiny. An eternal destiny. St. Paul the Apostle understood this as well as anybody. That's clear from what he says in Ephesians 4, which is way, where today's second reading is taken from. Now it's true, in that particular chapter of the Bible, St. Paul does eventually speak about evil actions. But first of all, he focuses on how people think. Because that's key in the process. He says, and here I, I've included a few lines that they left out of the lectionary. Every once in a while when they put those texts in the lectionary, they leave out a few lines, important lines, and they did today, unfortunately. As Paul says, and here I've included the missing lines, Brothers and sisters, I declare and testify in the Lord that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do, in the futility of their minds, darkened in understanding, alienated from the life of God 
because of their ignorance, notice all these mind words, because of the hardness of their hearts. Now the interesting thing is, sometimes even people who do believe in the one true God and in his son Jesus Christ live in the futility of their minds. This is not just a problem for unbelievers. I wish it were, but it isn't. Look, for example, at the Israelites in today's first reading. After God had worked all these incredible miracles for them to rescue them from slavery in Egypt, the ten plagues, the parting of the Red Sea, the wiping out of Pharaoh's army, after God did all that and much more, they still didn't trust him. And so they moaned, and they groaned, and they grumbled, and they complained. In spite of the fact that these Israelites were God's chosen people, they very often lived in the futility of their minds, with darkened understanding and hard hearts. It seems that every age of human history has at least one major issue where futility of mind abounds. One issue, in other words, where even many believers get confused as to what's right and what's wrong. In the 1960s, for example, it was contraception. In spite of the warnings given by Pope Paul VI and others, many couples, including many Catholic couples, bought into the lie that said artificial birth control will make your marriages happier and more stable. And that's what's happened in the last 50 years, right? Wrong. And if you don't believe me, just read the sad statistics on divorce. In the 1970s and 80s, it was abortion. With their understanding darkened by pro-abortion politicians and journalists, many Catholics and others were not able to see what the science of genetics has since proven beyond a shadow of a doubt, namely, that human life begins at the moment of conception. And so what do we have now in the world? We have millions of women, and I mean literally millions of women, walking around wounded. Women who believe the lie that it's just a cluster of cells, or a non-viable product of conception. And how do I know this? I know because I deal with these women very often in confession. Every priest does. And they're broken. And they need healing. And we try to help them find it. We help them find, first and foremost, God's forgiveness and mercy. And that's beautiful when they experience that and really get a hold of it and internalize it. They also need healing for this wound. And we try to point them in the right direction to find that as well. And now, in the new millennium, we have yet another major issue where futility of mind is rampant. A new major issue that we can add to the other two because, unfortunately, contraception and abortion are still around. The issue surrounds what is commonly called the gay lifestyle. 
Just look at how the president of Chick-fil-A has been called every name in the book, and I mean every name in the book, plus a few others that aren't in the book, within the last few weeks for publicly announcing that his company opposes so-called gay marriage. It's been amazing to me to see all of these quote-unquote open-minded people who defend free speech to the hilt when it comes to stuff like pornography, all of a sudden they have become the most closed-minded censors of, of all. Most closed-minded censors of the worst kind. All because a guy wants to voice his support of something like traditional marriage. I ask you, who are the real bigots in all of this? I had a conversation with a young college student the other day on this issue of the gay lifestyle, which is typical of conversations I've had with many people in recent months. This young man came to see me because he's currently struggling with his Catholic faith. And I'm glad he came to see me. I, I encourage people to do that. And he started off the conversation by saying, Father Ray, I'm not sure I want to be Catholic anymore. I said, why not? He said, well, my family all goes to church, and I did too when I was in high school and younger. But when I went away to college, I became friendly with some people who are gay. And I know that as Catholics, we're supposed to hate gays, but I don't hate these people. In fact, I really like them. I said, as Catholics, we're not supposed to hate anybody. Jesus forbids us to hate anyone. We may not approve of some of the things people do, but even then, as the old saying goes, we are supposed to love the sinner and hate the sin. We talked for a while longer. I tried to explain to him the teaching, the official teaching of the church, that it's not a sin to experience same-sex attraction, that the sin comes with certain actions that follow from the attraction. And I also reminded him of something that a lot of people seem to forget. I reminded him that so-called straight people can commit sins that are equally serious if they act on their sexual impulses in the wrong way. I even said to him, I know people who experience same-sex attraction and I don't hate them. In fact, I consider some of them to be personal friends. Now, if they're committing a serious sin and I find out about it, I certainly don't approve of it. I don't approve of anyone's sin, including my own. But I definitely don't hate them or anyone else for that matter. Well, he still had some difficulty getting his mind around this idea of loving the sinner and hating the sin. So I finally said to him, look, let me ask you a question. Do your parents love you? He said, of course they do. You know my parents. My parents definitely love me. I said, you're sure of that? He said, yes, I'm sure. I said, well, do your parents approve of everything that you do? Well, a little smile came to his face and he said, um, well, no. I said, then they must hate you. 
I don't care what they tell you, they must really hate you. You're saying to me that Catholics hate gays because they disapprove of some of the things that gay people do. Well, according to that logic, your parents must hate you because they sometimes disapprove of some of the things that you do. At that point, I think a light bulb finally got turned on. And he left that day with a promise to think about, to reflect on what I had said. I share this story with you today, my brothers and sisters, because this young man is not unique. There are lots of people, both in and out of the church, who think and who reason in precisely this way. To equate hatred with disapproving of another person's actions is not only wrong, it's not only misguided and unfair, it's also a perfect example of what St. Paul means when he talks about futility of mind. Dear Lord Jesus, please deliver us from this futility. And please deliver us from it very soon.